Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everybody, welcome back to the Greenwood and Wilner show. It's been a while, Sam, since I've done a proper, proper intro because of, we're going to be honest with you, a lot of technical issues, <laughs> to be brutally honest. Oh, I wasn't going to be honest. I was going to say, yeah, end of season, this, that and the other. We thought we'd chuck out some end of season content because it's been mint and now normal service is resumed. I think we would have done that anyway, but we would have liked to have done it the Greenwood and Mulder show way rather than what we've had to do. Because yeah. if you if you are a member of Newcastle Fans TV, which is only ninety nine pence, which is an absolute links in the bargain. description. Exactly, it's an absolute bargain. You get all the intros visually because obviously you're listening to this right now, mm, and we did show all. And we did tell all our members of Henry Winter being the next guest on the Green and Muller Show, episode 149, which is absolutely remarkable, Sam. Well, you but, haven't um, been on the last two. I know. And I don't it's think just... I was in the one before that with well, Colin Locke. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the main reason why I haven't, well, I technically have. You have, yeah. Yeah, you were on with Raoul and, uh, and Terry for a bit. Yeah. For briefly, so what was what was happening is we we're using a new system, which uh, for the eagle eye Newcastle fans TV viewers would have noticed that we've been using a different system. It's called Evemux. No, don't. Oh, why have you said that? Because now we can't slag them off because they can send their solicitors on us. Well, it, it, all I can say is for Sam, it's worked for ninety five percent of the time. Yes, I, 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 if if there, if Ev Mux's solicitors are listening, I love Ev Mux, and I have had next to zero issues with it. And I've had next to zero non-issues with it. That's how it's been. Um, yeah, it's just it just hasn't worked out for my technological equipment. Essentially, regardless if I use a phone or laptop, I just live in an area that just makes it so so difficult. Um, and yet, I'm the one that lives in a village in rural. Exactly. You know. Exactly. But one day it will happen where super fast broadband will be in North Shields. Mm. <laughs> and we will get something like that sorted. But enough of that. Henry Winter, chief yeah. football writer of the Times, um, a man who needs no introduction. Arguably. Arguably. Okay, I'll argue against it then, because he's my goat in terms of football journalism. Oh, well, I'm a massive fan of George Colkin and Chris Roth. Yeah. And so so, so, are you saying that they're better than Henry Winter? I, I, I wouldn't want to compare former guests against each other, because we've also had... Like, you put Jeremy in your worst Newcastle United 11. I knew you were going to say that. Um We'll stop but sitting I, I, on the fence then. It's difficult because I do, I do, I do admire a lot of the, a lot of journos, but I do. So I do, do I. I, think, I do tend to agree that Henry Winter. I think. I yeah. think there was. Just, we got there, there just, in the I end. Think, Jeez. I think there's. I think there's just an aura about Henry and the way he expresses his views and how he expresses them in in uh, in, in articles in particular, and obviously goes into detail in this episode about his latest interview with Callum Wilson, Newcastle's number nine. Um, and we, obviously, Sam and I would, would ask you all to 
uh, read his latest article with Callum because he was it was absolutely superb and we'll not spoil it too much because he goes into a little bit of detail in this episode. But again, a man who a man who's not from the area but just gets Newcastle. He's not a Newcastle fan, but he just gets Newcastle United, doesn't he, Sam? Who Henry Winter or Callum Wilson? Yeah. Henry Winter. Uh, yes, yes, he does. Yes. Um, look, we've had him on before. This will be the third time I've interviewed him. Uh, your second. Um, yeah, he's he's an absolute honour to talk to. There's no other word for it. It is an honour. Um, he is he is the the best in the business, in my opinion. Um, looked up to him for a many number of years now. Not told him because I don't want to appear like a fanboy. Um, well, I might in the future. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. But yeah, um, just an absolute legend, and just. He's, I don't know, how many more superlatives could you could you say? Sorry, I'm yawning tonight. That's nothing to do. We're recording this in the e- We're recording this on Father's Day evening at about 20 to 9. I'm absolutely well, how, shattered. How, how was your I've worked, uh, I was awoken at 4 a.m. and I've had work today. Um, and then I, I came home because I wanted to watch the end of the, the test match of day three of England, Australia. And then as soon as I got home and sat in my armchair, the, the heavens opened and, and uh, that was that. So, yeah, I'm just shattered. So, so we'll cut my dark instead? Oh, I can't be bothered with that. Honestly, that's one of my favourite tournaments. Um, but anyway, um, I, again, Henry Winter, he's, he's been here, there and everywhere for the last 12 months. He, he was actually in Malta as we recorded this episode as England beat Malta, mm. as we can now say, they beat Malta by four goals. And um, Callum Wilson on the score sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Coolly dispatched his penalty. Good for him. With his second England goal. Extra points for our listeners out there. You're going to get 30 seconds, but I'm going to ask Sam this question. Sam, Callum Wilson scored two goals for England, the second yep. being against Malta. Who was the first against? It was against... Uh, in 2016... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know it was in 2016, and it is one of the, it's one of them countries that are very similar. What? It's not. It's 2018. I think it's I think it's nearer 2018 than it is 2016. Uh, yeah, it is 2018. You're right. That's what I said. It was 2018, and it was against. <sighs> it was against. Oh, I don't know Bulgaria. No, there was a special. It was a special reason for this game, because was, Mal- was, was it against Malta? No, it was against oh. the United States of America because it was the America. Wayne Rooney England testimonial. Oh, football against soccer! Yes, so soccer Steve was not happy, but we were. Yeah, we were kind of happy, I suppose. Good, but uh, yeah, um, Wayne Rooney's last England appearance, his hundred and twentieth appearance against America and Callum Wilson scored, I think, the third of a 3-0 win. Interesting stuff. Good. Yeah. Good on him. And, and we've had a good weekend of um, international players uh, with Newcastle. Sven Botman aside, who was very unlucky to not feature for Holland, um, they conceded three against Italy. So what does that tell you when you've got Botman sat on the bench? Cretins. Joe Linton, first start for Brazil, got on the score sheet. And Miguel Moran on the score sheet for Paraguay as well as uh, Callum Wilson for England. So... Yeah, it's all it's all um, looking good, but um, you'll never guess what, Jonathan. What, Samuel? We've got an email. 
We're half an hour, we? We've got an email, which I will read to you after this jingle. Oh, the jingle. It's email time. Smooth as ever. Smooth as ever. This is from Steve in Blythe. He's from Blythe. Anyway, he says... Hi, chaps. Now we've reached the end of the season, in brackets, and what a season it was. Who are you looking at in the transfer market this summer? Um, keep it realistic, please. Thank you. Love the show, Steve. Well, I got stitched up when I got asked this question very recently on a... a we never a, put a, it out. On a... Did we, we, never, we never put it out. Wow. So you've been hoisted by your own petard. Yeah, Johnny wanted Bellingham in an unreleased episode that we will never put out because it was just an absolute shambles. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. But Bellingham's gone since gone to Real Madrid, and I don't think that was realistic anyway. Mine is, and I'll be using the same one. But I'll let you. Shall, shall I? Shall I go first so you can have time to? You think? go first. Yeah. Go on, I mean, yeah. I, I I want Sandro Tonali from AC Milan, defensive midfielder who can sit in front of the back four and release Bruno to go forward. Mm, yes, please. It's a really interesting one because I'm looking at what is the key position that Newcastle have to desperately strengthen. Now, I know we've had a fantastic season finishing the Champions League, finishing the top four, but what do we really, really need right now? I if you can need... think of a realistic class left back, I'm all ears. Well, that's what I'm, that's exactly what I was thinking. Now, I know, as we recall, there has been links with Kukurea, and I'm not against that. I'm not I against am. it. Terrible. I know. I know you are, but st- I'm not against it because I think it's actually it does make sense because doesn't. he's in. I think it does, but we'll, we'll, it doesn't we'll, because we'll, he's rubbish. He's not rubbish. He is but, rubbish. He was rubbish for Brighton. Fraser and Murphy had him on toast. He was rubbish for Brighton. They absolutely pulled Chelsea's pants down to sign him. I'd rather chill well. Look, all I'm saying is Kukurea is an Eddie Howe left back. He can he can attack. Defensively, he knows that he does need to work on defensively. I'm, I, I, I will say so he's that he's not an Eddie Howe defender, then is he? No, but he, he, he can be coached into one. I just think the price tag was unbelievably too much. Like Brighton did, very, I think Brighton got sixty-two million pounds for him, Sam. So we got I, Isaac I think, for that. I know that's mental, but I would, I personally would prefer Kieran Tierney at Newcastle because I think he ticks more boxes, but. What, my, getting injured all the time. Yeah, no, I just think he does. And that's my only issue with him. But if you keep him, if you, if you, if I, if you look at it as a say a full season, if Kieran Tierney plays thirty games for Newcastle, and Dan Byrne can play there, and you know a couple of other players can play at left back or whatever, I think it's a good deal to do. Yeah, if but you can guarantee you that. But that's the problem. You can't. You can't. But I, I, just outside the two we've mentioned, Kukurea and Tierney. <laughs> There's not many out there at all. And that's, why uh, the, I think, and that's why, and that's why I think the club will probably go for someone like Atini because they think it's a safer, it's a safer bet. Unless Dan Ashworth has got like an unearthed gem somewhere. Possibly. Um, Possibly. I, I just can't think of one that's realistic in terms of a, a left back. But the, the um, thing is, Eddie Howe, I think Eddie Howe would want somebody in the same mould as Kieran Trippier, not in terms of leadership or anything like that, but just in terms of the actual kind of player that. We have two real outlets as left back, left back and right back, because I think that's where we were kind of missing a little bit in terms of creativity down that left hand side. 
Um, but that will that will that will be interesting debate. I, I did realize we've only gone twelve minutes, and I think we should really get this introduction uh, wrapped yeah. up because we are no one wants to hear us. They want to hear Henry Winter. They certainly do. They certainly do. But last thing from us, Sam. Um, um, go on, we'll, we'll, t- we'll touch on this episode with Henry very, very briefly. He, I, I love him. I love him. He's brilliant. Yeah. You could listen to him talk all day. He's amazing. Um, we talk about some really cool things, great things. Newcastle, you'll love it. Enjoy. Yeah, this is a really, really nice episode. And you even get to hear a little bit of Italian as well halfway through the episode. Let's be edited out. No, it has not been edited out. I'm not editing that bit out. It's gold. Ciao, Bella. This is episode 149 of the Greenwood and Mulliner Show, and it is with Henry Winter. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. Today, Sam and I are joined by the chief football writer of the Times. It is a big welcome to Henry Winter. Henry, welcome to the show. First things first, what a busy season for you. You, you must need a break. Because the, the amount of football that you've probably seen over the last 12 months must be absolutely ridiculous. Do you know what? The seasons where you need a break are the seasons where nothing happens and the time just sort of drags. But football is just like a soap opera with just 24-hour drama. I mean, you know, you're a great club. Look at the season that you've had finishing in the Champions League. And I did a couple of your, you know, your last games, the, the Brighton game and the Leicester game. And it was just a, just the buzz around the place. I mean, you guys, I mean, you know... It's it's really interesting when you talk to clubs and local universities uh, of clubs that are doing well, whether it's a promoted club or whether it's you know you guys having this fantastic run, and they say that university applications go up like ten fifteen percent when they're doing well overseas students. So uh, and you've got this fantastic European journey next season. So uh, yeah, it's going to be good. It is going to be good. I mean, for those that don't know, you're currently in Malta with the England team. So I can imagine that's very picturesque. So unlike Johnny, I don't feel too sorry for you. Um, but, you, you know, let, let, since the last time you were on the show, Henry, what a transformation. You said you've been up a few times and just the atmosphere. What have you noticed as, as a kind of neutral um, since before the season that's just passed and, and to now, which has just culminated in? A Champions League place. Do you know, as an outsider who's been coming to St James's Park for 30 years, I can remember one of your players, was it Liam O'Brien, who hit a free kick and it went over at the Leasy's end and actually went through the open window of a porter cabin that was there. And you just you just think of it now. I still think you've got an issue with your away fans. I still think they should be behind the goals. I think you've got to you've got to play fair. I don't nah. think necessarily it gives you I don't think it necessarily gives you necessarily a footballing advantage, but I think you know you you guys when you go to say like Arsenal Spurs or whatever, you 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 pitch level. So that's that's just a tiny thing. But you know what I found even in the most negative times, like under sort of in the Mike Ashley era, I've always found that when you go to Newcastle as a city, and this I'm speaking very much as an outsider, there's always an air of positivity. I think whether that's a Geordie trait, if you can generalize, I do think you are a, a an upbeat support. And maybe you were sort of clinging to attractive bits of wreckage in the Mike Ashley era and there are one or two sort of, you know, good moments and you could focus on that. But look, I go there now and I, I stand outside Shearer's and there's a buzz there. I see the amazing, people talk about big hearted Geordies and I go and see the, sort of the, the guys who do amazing work at the food bank. And it's amazing how many people stop. You know, remember we're living in a, in a cost of living crisis 
electricity bills, all the crazy bills, mortgages going up, all that. And there are people. You know, I'll stand there for about five minutes just chatting, just getting a feel of the of the of the mood. And so many people are coming up. So the big hearted Geordies, the buzz about the place. For me, it's still my favorite walk. I mean, I've probably been to, I don't know, three, four, probably four, fifty, five hundred stadiums around the world. It's still my favorite walk from a station. Getting off at Central, walking across the platform, weaving through a couple of hen parties. I never know whether they've just gone off or just, you know, just they've, they're just going into town. I've even had a couple of invitations to to, to join them. I said no. I mean, it, it looks great. Thanks very much. <laughs> I hope you have a hope you have a sort of happy honeymoon and a happy, you know, wonderful married years to, together. But you know, my uh, my passion is for football and it's up the road. And then that walk. So I don't know whether you call them ginnels or little alleyways or whatever up the walk to the ground. And you just get the sort of the buzz, and the buzz seems to be even bigger. It's louder now. There's even more positivity. I understand the issues around the owners, but I think that is a, it's kind of like a Newcastle thing. And it almost seemed like you were liberated from the Mike Ashley era. And then just walking up there, and we mentioned this earlier, you know, the war flags. I just think that's fantastic. And, I, you know, there's a, there's a very sort of elegant lady who stands just, sorry, well, stands, but she's, her seat is just to the right of where the Times is in the press box and we've sort of been on nodding terms for years and just the look of absolute delight that she's there with her her daughter and they've got the huge flag and she's always buckling under the weight of this flag and it's just you know the pride in the area the pride in the club the pride in the players you see a player like Kieran Trippi who I've known for a long time who's come up to you he looks immediately at home he's been such an important player for you he sets the tone that passion that drive I'm a huge Eddie Howe fan we've, we've talked about this before at Bournemouth, you know, he he overachieved with Bournemouth. And people talk about the money coming into your club now, but you look at what Eddie has done, the impact that he's had on players who are already there, whether it's Callum Wilson, who you obviously knew from Bournemouth, whether it's, you know, Sean Longstaff. Obviously, he, whenever he gets interviewed, and he did a nice interview, I think, with Sky before one of the finals, and he just walking on one of your lovely beaches, and he came over such an intelligent, caring person who was obviously wanted to develop as a... As a player, and you look at how he's he's performed. Dan Byrne, who's a centre half, he's given everything at left back. Clearly, you need a new left back, although you know Target can play there. But you know, just everything. So there's a buzz about it. Whether it's the owners, who I think they're handling things, whether the appointment of Ashworth and and Darren Eels. I mean, Eels was inspired appointment. He's one of those appointments where you might not immediately see the impact but it will be felt throughout the club because of his personality, because of his experience, because of his intelligence, Cambridge graduate, because of the experience of the game. You know, he played professionally. So you look at the appointments that the club have made and the recruitment, you know, Bruno Gimaraes, you know, what a, what a fantastic player is. You've got two for the price of one there. Uh, I'm not surprised to see him linked with Barcelona, but I'll be amazed if he leaves. So look, you're, you're in a very good place and long may it continue. And your good place is now, you know, extended to Europe. Yeah, it, it still seems crazy to think about Newcastle United being in the Champions League next season and possibly going to take on the likes of the Real Madrid's of the world and Borussia Dortmund's and the Milan's. Um, Eddie Howe deserves a lot of credit, Henry, and you've rightly touched on his achievements this season. From what from what you've seen this season, what has impressed you most about this Eddie Howe's Newcastle United team? Because there's always that comparison with the Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and now the Eddie Howe at Newcastle. What's the biggest difference that you've seen? Well, you've got a good defence. 
I mean, the, the back four and then Pope in goal. I mean, they're, they're being fantastic. Botman slotted in there. Fabian Shah, I think, another one who sort of raised his game. Trippy, we know about. Dan Byrne will give you everything at, uh, at left back, slightly out of position. But I, I just enjoy watching you go forward. Uh, you know, you just look at, I mean, okay, so talk about Eddie. That, what he's done with Joe Linton, I don't think many people in the game would have, would have, would have done that, would have thought of doing that, taking him out of that position and putting him in a more in a more midfield role and how it's liberated. It's also liberated, I think if my mass is right, liberated the number nine shirt, which which Callum's got. Um you look at the the, the the players out wide, you know, and you've rotated those. You're a good team to watch. You look like a team that's further on in the development than really you are in terms of what what Eddie's done. Um I mean he's just been he's been fantastic. But what slightly annoys me, and this has nothing to do with sort of people on sort of media within Newcastle, but I don't think Jason Tindall gets the credit that he deserves because people look at him and think, well, he's just there to sort of bounce around, make a noise, go and wind up the fourth official or put pressure on officials. He he is so trusted by Eddie Howe. I mean, well, I did a couple of interviews with Eddie in his manager's office down at Bournemouth. Jason would be there listening... And he wasn't necessarily joining in, but you could see that they were very much a, a double act, but like split strikers in terms of you knew who's the main man. It's it's Eddie, but he trusts Jason. There's almost a sort of good cop, bad cop element to them. Um, I, I, I've been really impressed with Eddie Howe in his press conference, the way he handled all this. What was quite rightly pressures of questions. Can you make the Champions League? Can you make the Champions League? And I thought he handled it very well, even when I think you were within touching distance and you were effectively there, whether that was after the Brighton game, was it? He was he was still saying we've got work to do. And I, I love that. He's so down to earth. I'm glad he's getting the recognition. But don't underestimate Jason Tindall. He's, he's a good coach. I mean, he was respected enough that Bournemouth thought, well, we'll give you a try to actually do it. He may be a natural number two, probably is. But in a partnership with with Eddie, he makes Eddie an even better manager. Yeah, Mad Dog Tyndall's got a fantastic. Mad Dog, is that That's what he's what... called? Yes, he's got he's got an overwhelmingly uh, huge cult following in the in the Newcastle fan base. Now he's he's absolutely he's great value. But Wait, um, sorry, he's more than a Mad Dog. And if he, if you are going to go down the Mad Dog sort of rhetoric line, he he is pure crafts. <laughs> yeah he'll yeah. like that by the way he'll like <laughs> but you're right and and the way eddie howe is um composed and calculated but shows that passion not it's just it's just the right amount of time to make it mean something every time that he does it is is brilliant and would you agree henry that the time he took out of the game instead of you know, he could have rushed back in. He could have took charge of Celtic. He, he he could, if he'd have done that, if Gareth had left England, who who you're with now, there's every chance he could be England manager right now. But do you think that 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 time he took out of the game has just multiplied his managerial ability tenfold? When we knew that Roy Hodgson was leaving in Euro uh, 2016, even before the horrors of Nice, I was talking to the FA and saying, you should get Eddie Howe in. Uh, I just thought there was something about, you know, he's he's destiny and I knew when he left Bournemouth how hurt he was because look managers have to be tough you know they have you know you look at the top managers and they've got a hard streak to them whether it's Ferguson Klopp's got a hard streak Guardiola's got a hard streak 
you can't just be a nice person, even though Eddie's a nice person. He's got a hard, tough street to take. You look at the things that have happened to him in his career and his life. Um, you know, he's he's a tough individual. But what I like about him is his humanity to him. There's his humility to him. There's he's very very genuine, and that's why looking back, just thinking, I mean, in a way, I'm glad he didn't get the England job. Um, and because Newcastle is just a, it's a match made in heaven. And you look at the other appointments there, which we, we've touched on. They're also, they're pretty grounded people. Like I wrote a book on England when I was between jobs and around Dan Ashworth. He could not have been more helpful. And Dan Ashworth is obviously he's got so much experience in the game, but he turned up for this meeting that we had with his laptop. And we were talking about so young players and he didn't show what, what was in his magic box of tricks. But he basically said, I know everything about every young player in Europe here. Because obviously he was looking at it from a national team perspective. So he will know everything about every player. You've got a fantastic brains trust with him and uh, Eddie and, and Jason. And then with Darren as well. I mean, Darren, when he was at Atlanta, um, one of his PRs sort of said, uh, oh, Darren, I'll meet you sort of a couple of hours before the game and uh, have a little wander around. I thought we could have a wander around inside the stadium and, you know, the usual thing that chief executives do, they take you into meet a sponsor, they take you into meet a chairman, maybe, uh, you know, you go down into the dressing room area, which you can do in MLS. But he went straight out to the fans' part and he was just, he loved it. He lo and I don't, it wasn't ego. It wasn't sort of, oh, look, everyone's being nice to me. It's just, he, he loves that. He loves the fact, he loves the fact that he can be in a position to bring happiness to people not in a how wonderful am I way, but actually that's, he's genuinely like that. I mean, he's one of my, I mean, I've only had probably about three or four meals with him. And there've been those meals where you haven't wanted them to end because he's such a good company. And in fact, we had one meal in Atlanta and I said, well, should we go on for somewhere else? He had to get back to his family. And I, I understood that. Um, but yeah, he's, you know, you've got good people as well as good football people working with for you now. I think that's so important and I think it's very interesting to talk about Dan Ashworth and Darren Eels in particular because the way that the, the, the hierarchy of Newcastle have identified their targets has been very, very interesting because it's basically, we're going for our number one target and we're going to go for our number one target and we're going to, if plan A doesn't work for our number one target, plan B for our number one target will eventually work and you can see that on the pitch and off the pitch. Do you think that's something that Newcastle will continue to do? to make the club even bigger and better and you know obviously the, the added european adventure as well it's going to be so fascinating to see what newcastle united do i mean the public face of the ownership and amanda um, they, they, they've always been it's about evolution as much as revolution it's about appointing good people and it's then about recruiting well they've recruited well on the, the, the sort of what we call the back office side but they've also recruited good characters. They're no dickheads. Isaac, everyone knows, you know, he's highly respected with, within the game as a good character as well as a good footballer. And I think that's really important because if he wants to play centre forward and you've got someone as strong willed as Callum Wilson is in there, particularly at Callum's stage of his career, is what, 31? 30, 31. Yeah. Um, he, you know, he will, he'll want to start and maybe they can play up front as a, as a two or Isaac because he's pretty selfless, can play coming in off the, the flank. I just think a sign of a good character there, Bruno Grimmerich as well. I mean, what you know, he is a star, and yet he's got that often overlooked element in Brazilian players, that hard nose, I'm going to graft, I'm going to put the foot in, I'm going to win the ball. You know, as I say, you've got two players for the price of one. And I, I, I love that. So 
you can see that Newcastle are buying good characters as well as good players. Yeah, I, I mean, Bruno, for me, would get in any midfield in the Premier League, any, including treble winning Manchester City. But um, to talk about Callum Wilson, who, who, as you said, you spent some time with very, very recently, brilliant piece in the Times today. Um, there's a guy that now plays for, you know, the old adage of the richest club in the world, but he's come from nothing in, in, in the West Midlands. Um, just a brilliant, brilliant character who's who's worked and uh, grafted for everything he's achieved in life and now reaping the rewards. Uh, left ACL, right ACL, driven him on. The, the things that you touched on, the, the experiences that he had growing up, and he's certainly not, sadly, alone in society in this and sadly not alone in a, a football dressing room in this. I mean, I'm out here with England and you, 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 you hear the stories of what the players have been through. Uh, and it makes you admire them even more. And in Callum's case, the fact that there was an absentee father, his mother was, I mean, he, he spelt it out to me in quite graphic detail. You know, she was on the, she literally had to sort of disappear at times because she was the, the victim of domestic abuse, not from the husband, but from, from another partner later on. Um, Callum himself went into care. He was the eldest of six and he was looking after the others. There were food banks. So, you know, he was he had to grow up tough in the area that he grew up in in Coventry. I mean, I don't know if you're fans of the specials and Terry Hall sadly left us last year. And, you know, that, you know, Ghost Town was written about Coventry, was written in the Margaret Thatcher era. It's, you know, I was like 17, 18 when that song came out. So it gave me an insight, obviously, from afar into what was going on in 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 the ghost town of Coventry and that's what Callum Wilson grew up with, you know, the, you know, the, the, the specials of, I mean, he was obviously slightly younger, but, but that was a, that was an issue. And so, so we, we bizarrely got, not bizarrely, but because footballers are sort of multifaceted nowadays, but we got onto the subject of art and he was talking about some of the Banksy art and the, you know, the, the you know, the kid up with the hoodie and, not throwing the hand grenades, but throwing a bunch of flowers. And Callum was talking about, you know, a lot of that sort of echoed his childhood in terms of there was a gang element to where he grew up. So I think when you go through tough times, he did with his injuries, he did, you know, recently with, with Zizak effectively taking his place, the dip that so many of the England players had post-World Cup physically and mentally. But he can draw on that, whether that's an anger, whether that's, he seems to me, I'm sure you guys have interviewed him, he's, he seems to me actually quite a sort of chilled out, sort of laid back, very funny, great, great company, very eloquent, good guy. But actually, he, you know, th those top players take something that was in their past, which might be gnawing away at them anyway, but they then say, right, I have been through this in my childhood. I've been through this having to play at uh, non-league, Kettering, Tamworth, you know, going out on loan, fighting my way to get into the Coventry team, getting into the Bournemouth team, getting into this Newcastle team, staying now in this fantastic Newcastle. So he's got that fighting spirit. And again, it comes back to this sort of broader thing. Again, I'm looking at it from the outside, but they're good characters you've got in your team, you've got in the club, you've got in the back office, you've got obviously clearly emanating from Eddie. And I like the way that Eddie Howe left him out, rightly, because he wasn't playing well and challenged him to go again, to sort of look inside himself and look at how well Callum finished the season for you. I mean, that run through, that great ball from Almiron uh, against, you know, when Almiron was actually quite deep. You know where we are in the mm. press box? It's one of those great moments, actually, because you can almost feel, you can put your hand out and feel the heat of Almiron sort of, you know, 
heat vapors as he goes flying past and then he just got down the wing and he sort of laid that fantastic ball through i actually thought he was offside but wilson timed it perfectly and then the confidence with which he took that goal uh, and there were other moments in the game you know he flicked on one ball i think it was in the same half but earlier which Almuan took first time and should have scored one on one but yeah he's a good good character good player again sort of echoing what the um, what the club have got another good character it's Kieran Trippier, and he won Newcastle United's Player of the Season. Good. There's a lot. There's a yeah. There's a lot of comparisons with certain players, and I'm not saying that a Roy Keane is a similar to Kieran Trippier. But what I'm trying to get at is that they're almost a manager or a coach on the pitch. They just know what to do at the right time. A bit like a Steven Gerrard or John Terry. Those sort of characters, you just know that they mean business, and that you have that trust when they're on the pitch that they're going to deliver what the manager, as in Eddie Howe. Has asked them to do what has impressed you most with Kieran Trippier because I think obviously the questions were there when he left Atletico you know why is he going to Newcastle but he has just flourished at Newcastle United and he's probably England's best right back at this minute right now is would you tend to agree certainly fit uh I mean they'll probably have Rhys James in there I mean England how many more right backs do you want Trent Alexander-Arnold Rico Lewis is coming through uh, uh City um Carl Walker John Stones has you know can play there has played there uh so yeah he I mean he's in such a competitive part but the most competitive part of the England squad right back and yet Gareth picks him he's picked him uh, as a left wing back at, at times i think he's captain england from left wing back he's just one of those natural leaders naturally brilliant characters i mean he comes from quite a, a family full of characters i mean every tournament his dad gets a fine because he puts up uh you know the, the flag of st george which is 10 times the size that berry council allows it to be and we always ask clearing this on the eve of the tournament if you, if you paid your dad's fine yet he said oh no i know it's coming i know it's coming <laughs> and I, I like about that you know what you see with kieran is is, is what you get i mean he is you know, he's passionate about playing. He gives value for money. He will play through injury. Whenever I hear there's a doubt over Kieran Trippi, I go, well, he's starting it because he's got that mentality. And, you know, it's a great compliment that everyone's saying that he's so important for Newcastle because of his influence in the dressing room. You can see when he, you're in a huddle, when there's a break in play, he's, he's rallying the team. But, you know, he's a, he's a terrific footballer as well. I mean, he's one of the best dead ball takers in the business. He, he can take a ball on the, you know, and, and crossing, moving ball. He's, he's fantastic with that. He's a fantastic defender. He's got so many footballing strengths to him, as well as that of the character of the leader. So, so I didn't know. I should have known that he got your Player of the Year. I thought it might have been you know, Joe Linton or Pope or whoever. But, but Trippier absolutely deserves it. I actually did my team of the season, and looking back on it, I mean, I was fifty-fifty whether um kieran trippier should be right back i went with john stones because i had to have um saliba and diaz in there but i i probably should have had stones at center half maybe drop saliba or diaz and got trippier in there that's the only one i probably look back on it because he's he's had a fantastic season but yeah again coming back to you know you've got good characters good players yeah absolutely um i mean he started it all first 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 name through the door post takeover and yeah. no relegation release clause no uh just, just took the gamble and it's and it's paid off but um the the, the mix we've got in the squad um obviously the the transfer window is open so there's going to be rumors flying around and they've already started with with uh barella and and madison um 
actually, whilst you're whilst you're away with England, have you noticed um, James Madison spending a bit of time with Kieran Trippier <laughs> and Callum Wilson, and just maybe shooing Harry Kane away so he doesn't go to Tottenham? We we saw um, yeah that doesn't always work because we saw Jordan Henderson and Trent Alexander Arnold man marking uh, Jude Bellingham yes. over Qatar and uh, and and the next thing he was heading to Real Madrid. Um, I mean Madison is in a way Madison's the type of player that you need. In terms, I know he can play off the right and he's done that effectively for Leicester, but I mean he's he's a ten, and I mean you'd know better than I would. But you don't you don't really have an obvious ten. You know, if you want to play that formation, and he can do that, what what I can say, no, I mean the, the players are arriving today. I imagine Madison will play some part against either Malta or North Macedonia, and he he, he deserves that. Um, what you get with Madison is, <coughs> excuse me, you, you're a fantastically hard worker, the skill, that ability to to play the ball, to play the ball through. You, You've got someone who gives value for money. I mean, I know they get paid fortunes, but he he goes out and he plays because he enjoys it. He's really matured. I think he's had a kid in the last couple of years. And, you know, all the old days when he went into that casino, which was very ill-judged when he was injured and not reporting for England, and he went to casino. I don't think he makes those sort of mistakes anymore. That was a little bit naive because even though he wasn't damaging his body going to casino, and I'm sure he could afford it, he it was just a bad look. Um, particularly having sort of withdrawn from the England squad. So, look, you've got another good good character there. He's also got a little bit of swagger in the right sense. He's got that belief. You know, when he comes on in big games, nothing phases him. Look, Leicester had an absolutely shocking season, but Madison was there. He was grafting. He was getting back. He was helping out. He was, you know, there's some players in that team, so like Yuri Tielemans, who basically just faded faded away. Whereas as as Leicester slid towards relegation, whereas Madison was in there fighting. Yeah, he certainly was. He certainly was. And it will be interesting to see what happens with James Madison. <laughs> if he is going to end up in a Newcastle shirt or a Spurs shirt, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But Newcastle seem to mention financial fair play a lot, Henry. We're going to keep in, we've got to keep in the financial fair play constraints and we don't want to break any rules. X, Y and Z, so obviously you can see what's happening in the minute with Manchester City. And their 115 charges, of course, they're, they're obviously contesting those charges as, as we speak. But how important is financial fair play to Newcastle United? And what do you think realistically Newcastle United could potentially spend in this window? Because there's been so many different figures out there, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the journey that you're on, and particularly being in the Champions League, I mean, that's worth, I don't know, 100 million euros. Um, pretty much immediately. So that's good in terms of you'll get bigger sponsors. I don't know whether they'll ever go naming rights on, on the stadium. I hope not. I mean, you guys will always call it St. James's Park. Um, but whether they will go down there. But that's that's the next stage. And I'm sure Darren will be looking at that in terms of the commercial monetization of, of Newcastle United, which, again, will, will will help you in the transfer market. But again, this transfer market, I would be amazed if Newcastle went out and bought three or four big, big names. I just don't think that's Eddie's style. I know you've got to expand the squad because you're, you're going into Europe. But remember, finishing third in the in the Premier League, you know, the money you generated for that, again, is 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 huge. So, yeah, the whole I don't, I don't know what your transfer trust is. People say, oh, Eddie Howe's got a war trust of, of how much. 
I'm always very doubtful of that because no club would ever release details like that because it immediately compromises their ability to move in the transfer market. What, why declare your hand? You know, it's like going to buy a house and say, oh, I've got you know, a million quid to spend and the property is worth 700,000. You're going to get, you know, it's not going to work out so well. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, just, I just think I get the impression that they're trying to do things sensibly. And, you know, FFP is good and there's a regulator coming in on, on the horizon. Um, so yeah, look, what I know is that you'll do it sensibly. Yeah. And as we've mentioned as well, the improvement Eddie Howe got from players that were there under, under Mike Ashley, Steve Bruce, um, even Rafa Benitez with Fabian Cher. Um, I suppose my, my original question going back before I got sidetracked by, uh, the law of James Madison was from what you saw towards the end of last season, I know we had a few injuries here and there, but where would you be looking to strengthen that squad if you were Eddie Howe? I mean, a left back. Um, I mean, you guys would know better than I. I would have thought a central midfielder. I think you need to sort out the Alan Sam Maximum situation. Um, there's a, I mean, he's an entertainer. He's a fabulous player. I still think there needs to be a little bit more end product. I still think you can develop under Eddie Howe. You look at Longstaff, Joe Linton, all, all those players. Um academy as well you know you've got one or two good players who who can step up again and know that ashworth will be all over that and down eels will be all over that and they'll know that that you've got to get all this talent i mean it's i remember i helped michael carrick write a book and i remember just trying to envisage what it was like for him age what 14 15 standing on was it platform eight at central station getting the train south to, to West Ham and thinking of all the others who've made that journey, Shearer, Waddle eventually after playing, Gascon eventually after playing for you, Beersley as well. You know, I mean, there'd be even more, Steve Bruce, you know, there's so, if I'm allowed to mention him with you guys, uh, you know, there's so many of that, you know, it's such a rich, fertile area. You've got to keep these players who come out of these boys clubs, this huge passion that you have for football. You know, get them in the Newcastle Academy. Get them well coached. I know is Sholoamiobi is it working as the the academy? Or you've got good people in the academy. Invest more into it because also ultimately that helps with FFP. I know the rulings we got, the post Brexit rulings, which effectively came out yesterday, which allows clubs to go buy four, um, <coughs> excuse me, buy in four young players without work permits. But still, we have to back local kids particularly in the area that that you're in you think of the great players who've come from all around you down the years going back to the 60s charlton people like that 50s um so yeah but invest in the academy which of course is helps with uh with, with ffp it helps with the team i'm sure you love you guys love seeing one of your own as we call it stepping into to the team that's why there's a lot of respect for for long stuff I'm a big Elliot Anderson fan. I'd like to see him get more minutes. Maybe he needs to go out alone, although obviously Eddie rates him and sees a box-to-box a -box midfielder in there. There's, I've only met him once. He was down at um, Bristol Rovers, and he was there with his parents at a hotel, and I was seeing Jerry Barton, and Jerry introduced us to, me to his parents and Elliot as well. And there, there's some kids you meet at a young age, you think, oh, you've got something about you, you know, whether it's the eye contact, whether it's that confidence without the arrogance and you can see it as a player so look you've got talent there that you can develop and i certainly hope that is the case because uh, again you'd like to see one of your own do do really really well and um, which 
you know, not, not so just football. You've seen Sam Fender at the weekend, who was one of our own who just did an unbelievable did, couple of did games. You, did you guys go to that? I went to the Friday night show. It was absolutely incredible. Absolutely well, incredible. Callum was saying when he played the Champions League music, he just got goosebumps, which footballers often don't do, particularly in the stadium, because it's like their workplace. But he was just saying he it really he said for the first time it sank in that um that uh excuse me one second. Mm -hmm. Hi, Hi. Can, you, can you come back ten minutes? Oh, okay, grazie, grazie, ciao. That was my attempt at Maltese, which the nearest <laughs> place I could think of was Italy. I was so gonna say it sounded very Italian. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which is probably why she had a slightly surprised look. Uh, she's uh, she wanted to clean the room, but actually uh, uh yes it's probably just room service anyway um yeah. what we're we talking about yeah sam fender so yeah callum was saying just what an amazing atmosphere to hear that champions league music you know which i think they play and is that right he came on to to, to local hero yeah yeah so local hero yeah. then followed by the champions league music it was it was just <laughs> to a t yeah. it was just every little small detail was just absolutely bang on on, on friday night and I'm, I'm exactly the same on saturday evening but yeah, it, 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 I think if anything, it just it just sums up where the city is right now because it is just buzzing. Yeah, which is good. I mean, I had a cousin, um, yeah, a cousin who went to university, and she loved it so much she stayed on and she's come back south. And whenever I see her, whenever she's particularly excited, the sing song Geordie accent comes out again. You know, so it just said, well, it's when I was happiest. So yeah, so yeah, look, it's good to see you guys in a good place because you've you've had some uh, a few dark years to get through. Yeah, I mean, I had my daughter's birthday, which is why I couldn't go to Sam Fender. But you know, that's fine. Third birthday parties and all that, brilliant, great fun. Um, bouncy what, Castle, um, were you on the Bouncy Castle? Did you at least get kick all the kids off? No, there was no Bouncy Castle, but I did. Um, I was I was playing football with my six-year-old son and his cousins, and I was in goal, and I, I absolutely destroyed my right knee. But I made, <laughs> but I but I made the save. Good. So it was it was it was it was all fine. Are um, you one of the, Are you one of these tough dads that they've 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 really got to show that they can put the ball past you? And I might have been in that moment, right? But I made the save. Um, one thing I would love to see in the Champions League is um, Newcastle versus Dortmund, war flags versus the uh, <laughs> yellow the, wall. The, yeah, would, would you be, be would you be pestering the Times to uh, to send you out there for for well for both games if we if we manage to draw them in the uh, in the group stage? Yeah, I don't have to. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I think I'm too old to pester. They, um, I, t I tend to send them the fixtures. Uh, yeah, I'll be doing a lot of Newcastle. And um, I think one of the last, I did the Barcelona, was it the Gillespie game or the Espria game? Uh, that was Espria, yeah. both. But, but one of my favourite ones, I think you'll, you'll correct me, I think it was a UEFA Cup game against Marseille. Where yeah, Drogba. Bobby, Sir Bobby, when Drogba. Drogba then came into the press room just in his knickers with a bottle of champagne and just sprayed Le Roast Beefs, as he called us. He absolutely sprayed us. And it was quite funny because there was a sort of, there was that half moment, it was me and sort of like that half, well, the whole Newcastle press back. We didn't know whether we wanted to protect our laptops or just throw our, our open mouths in the way of Drogba's champagne. But yeah, you know, it, will be, uh, it will be quite an event. And it, look, it'll be all ticketed. I mean, I imagine that, I can't believe, how, I mean, how long is the waiting list to get into St. James's Park now? I bet it's long. like 30,000, 40,000 or crazy. You know, <clears throat> I don't know whether you can't really extend it anymore, can you? 
you can't expand the stadium anymore. You capped at 52 or whatever. Uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, Johnny will probably be able to tell you more than I will, but like, I think there's you can. Is it, is it the, the land behind the Gallagher, which they're now planning on turning into a fan zone? Yeah. Because they brought back the land off, yeah. the, off because Mike Ashley sold it for very, very cheap. They could potentially do something with that, but it involves roads. And then I saw another thing where if you if you were able to rotate the pitch 90 degrees, you could build taller stands that way. Johnny, am I right? Uh, yeah. All, I'm, all I do know is that there has been discussions, preliminary discussions about increasing the capacity of, of St. James's Park, and they have got architects in place to see if they can do that. But again, it's... I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, so I'm sure they, they, they're getting the right people to have a little look at what they can and can't do. But I suppose, yeah, it is just ridiculous demand. Like I say, at the minute you've got Newcastle to take on Rangers <laughs> in a pre-season game in the middle of July. Newcastle got eight thousand tickets. They got the whole one of the whole stances for a pre for I think it was Alan McGregor's testimonial, I should say. Right. And it didn't even go to season ticket holders. It was sold out before you even got a season ticket holders. So that's, that's at iBox, is it? That's, that's at iBox. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you. you... I mean, you, you, your traveling support is is amazing. It's like why people want you know you to you to turn up. I, mean, I can remember when Sir John Hall, you know, I was I always enjoyed Sir, Sir John's company, his passion for the area, his passion for the team. And I think under him there was a suggestion they might do what Barcelona had done with the Camp Now and dig down. But then someone pointed out, isn't the Metro line doesn't yeah. that run underneath the centre circle? So that might be a, I mean, make it com more convenient for getting into the ground. But, but sorry, this planned redevelopment, and I know that's a little car park there outside the metro. What would happen to the strawberry milk, more importantly? I, would that's still, I think it would just be about okay. Just be about okay because it's, there's right. enough space between between what they're trying to do. But it's again, don't quote me exactly on that because it's just, it's again, it's just so many. There is people looking at what they can and can't do because they're just, they, they, they probably need another 15,000, 20,000 in right now because that there is that demand straight away. But It'll be fascinating to see what happens, but just just finally, Henry, why why we still got you? I have to ask, what do you think the future of Newcastle might be for the next twelve months? Because we've got the Premier League fixes have just been released, and it's they're not sort of the easiest start for Newcastle. Villa Villa at home, followed by Manchester City and Liverpool. That's your first three fixes. And Brighton, fan. and Brighton as well. So, what can you see happening for Newcastle in the next twelve months? But in a look, you can spin fixtures any way that you like. The sometimes it's better to play the bigger teams earlier in the season. Like, I don't think Manchester City had a particularly good start to, to last season. It's slightly different this summer because the big teams aren't coming off the back of a tournament because that was obviously in November and December. Just play them. Just absolutely play them. I mean, it, you know, the, the, the noise. So, sorry, you've got Villa at home and then is City at home for you? City, City away. And Liverpool at home. home. Yeah, Brighton away. Brighton away. Yeah, great trips. Um, <laughs> yeah, particularly Brighton. Look, you've got you've got to play them at some point. You'll be you'll mm. be fit and fresh and ready. I mean, I think you know you you, you mentioned Brella and and Madison. I hope and look, Newcastle are so organised. I hope that they get those deals done early so you can bed players in. You don't want the normal sort of Tottenham Hotspur leaving it down to the sort of the last second and then someone coming in or going out. So uh, I think you'll be fine. I mean, you're going to have. I mean, I think next season will be a good season in terms, from a neutral's perspective because Liverpool will be stronger. Chelsea can't be as bad. They've got proper manager in. Tottenham, particularly, they can keep um, 
uh, Harry Kane. Arsenal will be strong. Manchester United will be strong. You've got one or two of the other sort, you know, the sort of Brighton's and, and teams like that. Aston Villa will be threatening. So actually, it could be. It always comes down to a two-horse race and probably one-horse race. Manchester City will probably win. So you're, you're you're aiming for those three Champions League places. If you finish again in the in the Champions League positions, have a decent run in Europe, i.e., get out the group stage, and you have and you have another run in the cups you did before, that'd be a fantastic season. Because it's all about direction of travel. And when you've got Eddie Howe, you've got Dan Ashworth, you've got Darren Eels, you've got Kieran Trippier, your direction of travel is secure. You're going in the right direction. Yeah, I'd love that. I mean, to, I'd, I'd be happy with just consolidating European football, to be honest. But uh, European, just, sorry, European or Champions League? Is a huge European difference. for me, because really? like, w- yeah, because it's just so, I'm very much the opinion of just enjoy this ride whilst we're on it. And because it's so soon, into this sort of project, if you like. Like, if we can just, like you say, have a good run in the Cups, do do well in the Champions League and just still consolidate European football because I don't want... I suppose I'll ask you this final one from me, Henry. Do you sort of... Not fear for Eddie Howe in a way, but if things aren't going completely swimmingly and we find ourselves sort of 10th in December or whatever... What would you fear for him a bit then? Because some owners might yeah. get a bit trigger happy. Although that, that these lot have never seen that that inclined that way for me. Well, first you're probably a year ahead of schedule, mm. so you know regardless of the position that you're in, you know you're still in December. You'll probably still be in the Champions League. So no, I think there's there's sensible people around him in terms of the decision makers, in terms of Dan Ashworth, in terms of Darren Eels. A man, is, you know, she's ambitious, but she's quite sensible. Ruben seems a murder. They're, they're quite so sensible people, and they've, you know, they've appointed well. And they're going to leave the experts to to get on with it. I mean, look at you know, they only have to look at Chelsea to realise what happens if you allow an owner to get involved and not bring experts in to do the recruitment. So, no, I th- well, put it this way: you lot will be backing Eddie Howe. You know, you don't you don't turn. You take a long time to turn as supporters. Steve Bruce was was different. There were various dynamics with that style of football, Sunderland, Mike Ashley connection, all that. I get that. But those have gone now. There's none of that with Eddie Howe. You've got someone who's, A, a very good manager, a very good coach, brilliant man manager, who is passionately committed to this project. Project. I can't even, can't even call it a project. Let's call it a passion that he's committed to. I think one day Eddie Howe will manage England. But I think that's a few years down the line. I think he'll be the person after the person who succeeds Southgate. So look, and mm. put it this way: I'll come back to me in the end of December, and I will be gobsmacked if Eddie House not there, probably with a new contract. Talking new contracts, sort Callum Wilson out because he is passionate about the place. He went along to you talking about Sam Fender. He went along to that, and he just he loved it. He is playing so well. He's probably got another two years left at the top. Just get those fantastic two years out of Callum. Certainly hope so. Certainly hope so. If everybody that is listening to this podcast, make sure you read Henry's article. Uh, well, Henry's interview, I should say, rather, with Callum Wilson. It goes into depth on a lot of things in terms of Callum Wilson's career. So by all means, give that a read. But Henry, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you about how good Newcastle United are and how Newcastle United will be better even in 12 months' time down the line because it, it certainly seems that way. Again, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in, in Europe. At, uh, at the Burnham, Jude Bellingham's first game against you lot. How, how would that be? An experience.
Yeah. It would be an experience. <laughs> I tell you what, for him coming up, it'll be an experience for those players coming up to St. James's Park. They'll absolutely love it. One thing I will say about it, everyone says, oh, St. James's Park is an intimidating venue. I think it's a passionate venue. I think you almost, on those big European nights, you need to just have that little bit extra edge. Because mm. the noise is there. But if I was in a visiting player, I would be uplifted by it. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just too amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I if you want intimidating, that. you wait till you go to Luton Town. <laughs> that is, that is, yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah that I was is. there for the Sunderland game, and the edge that night was if you're the winger in that game, the opposing winger in the game, Ahmad Diallo was drifting wide. The Luton fans were leaning over, and you would you knew you were in a dogfight there. So yeah, you're, I I love the atmosphere at your place, but I just think to to move on. This is a difficult com- conversation to have, but to move on, you almost need to make it just that little bit more intimidating it's quite euphoric at the moment the atmosphere mm. there uh, but that can lift up opposing players well not it hasn't happened this season because you've you've got you know you've done well at home but um yeah but and, and move those away fans down because i just think that that's you know play fair with the other clubs that's not your responsibility that's the club's responsibility mm. They're knackered by the time they get to the top. Well, I've got <laughs> friends who've been up there all season. I'm talking to them as I'm driving back down the A1, dicing with all those cones around um, on the A1. And um, and they're saying you know, they're still out of breath. From, you know, they can't even chant for the first 10 minutes because they're out of breath because they've climbed up to... Uh, I know. I felt sorry. I almost felt sorry for the Spurs fans who were leaving after 25 minutes yeah. this season. <laughs> it's incredible. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway, good luck for next season, but let's let's stay in touch. I'm sure you'll see you at games. Or if you see me sort of chatting to the hen parties on uh, Platform 7 or 8, <laughs> when, when I like heart from the south, drag me away and get me in the ground. Don't, don't, want, to, don't want to cramp your style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit old for the hen parties. Maybe, I, unless they've got a sort of grandmother who's been uh, uh, who's coming on for the occasion. Yeah, anyway. Perfect. Uh, good to see you. Have a great summer, guys. Cheers, Thank Henry. Cheers. For myself, John, for my co-host, Sam Mulder. And the chief football writer of the time, Sammy Werner. We'll see you all very soon. Newcastle Fans TV.